Welcome to the workshop, an adult Sunday school session hosted by New West Community Church. The workshop is more than an adult Sunday school. The workshop is a systematic discipleship program for teens and adults, which takes place Sunday morning prior to the service. Our focus is to build disciples that are grounded in the basic principles of the gospel and are equipped to minister broadly and to meet spiritual needs around them and to develop and use their particular giftedness for the good of Christ's church. In this session, we'll be covering off the first half of Romans with our own Bob Kirk. at some point uh, curriculum Dr. Marty Cooley has written. I've got a draft copy here of the first part and it's designed to make Romans accessible to, to everybody. It's not just something you'd have to go to seminary to study but it is a rich study but the approach we want to take is to equip you to better understand the gospel so that you can better share the gospel. Some of you who were here two and three years ago, which I think is a number of you here, will remember that Pastor Paul walked us through the book of Romans in some detail over a period of, of a couple of years, uh, going into the theology of Romans, the richness of the, of the book. I'm not trying to replicate that. Uh, and for those of you that weren't here then, um, don't worry, because uh, the goal will really, we're taking a different kind of a walkthrough, but it's it's uh it's along the same lines but we're not diving as deep but we're we're going on a trajectory to equip and that's what the workshop is about is to equip us for something okay so one of the other uh things we want to think about as we go through this we want to think historically what was going on at the time that paul wrote but we also want to think in terms of our own contemporary society what's going on around us do we see parallels in, from Paul's situation versus our situation, from the, the church in Rome, their situation versus our situation? I'm going to say in, in the church in the Western world. Here in North America, we have uh, relatively little persecution. There's pushback, but there's little persecution. People aren't being shot for their faith here. Whereas in Afghanistan, we understand that people have been in other parts of the world, in fact, uh, we know that in Iran and different places, it's actually illegal to change your faith. And the penalty for changing your faith, becoming a believer, is, is death. And that's not to be, uh, you know, be too excited about that. But it's, it's, uh, it's a reality in some parts of the world. Uh, it's also, understanding the gospel is also understanding the command of Christ. In Matthew 28. 18 to 20, and I didn't give Hannah a lot of notice, but I'm going to get her to read that in just a minute. And the question I want to uh, put to you is how well do you understand the gospel? So when you became a believer, someone probably explained the gospel to you in fairly simple terms. You may have had a discussion about it. You may actually have sat in a church for several months or several years. You may have grown up with it, or you may have been fresh to it. Uh, a couple of friends of mine who haven't made it here for this this morning, but will be coming later. Um, the, the husband of the couple told me that he was told the gospel on the phone. He was in a country that's closed to the gospel. and He had a phone conversation with someone outside that country who explained the gospel to him. 
and he accepted Christ and then went on to share the gospel with other people. So did he have a lot of theological training? Had he been through Romans? No, he hadn't been through anything, but yet he had enough. But the goal is for us to be equipped. So Hannah has Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Thank you, Hannah. So going and making disciples and teaching them, baptizing them uh, is a command for all of us. All of us are or should be involved in some way, whether it's uh, Dean sharing uh, what he believes with uh, the cook at a restaurant that he goes to or a waiter or someone else or others of you who have connections with people versus someone who's an evangelist and speaks to thousands of people. Each of us have that responsibility. The challenge now for us is how well do we understand the gospel? Because we are not persecuted here, there often is little incentive to dig into what the gospel is about um, or at least to internalize it in a way that that sticks with us so that we could then explain it to someone else. And I'm, I'm just, I'm in the same boat as many of you. I'm, I'm not as conversant as I ought to be. There's always room for improvement. So the goal is to understand the gospel better uh, through this class. And again, if you really want to get into the practical aspects of it, take Marty's course this fall. I'm, I'm going to plug that more. When do you start by the way? Oh, okay. Okay. So that's right. So there is a sequence and you didn't start book three this fall. Okay. You're starting this fall. So you actually started book one some time ago. Okay. Well, when that cycle comes up again, a jump on that wagon, because uh, first of all, Marty and Joy, whoever's teaching that are very skilled and experienced. I've been doing that for years and it's really a, a great equipped to serve is a great thing to have here. Well, the purpose of the gospel I've got down here is that you might believe and have life in his name. That comes from John 20, verse 30. So let's uh, do a little bit of brief background on Romans. And as an aside, we started late this morning. I'm not going to run late. We'll probably shut down. We'll close about 5 to 10, 10 o'clock. Um, and we, this is, I've just designed this so that we can, whatever we don't cover, we can just bump on to next, next week. And if we bump on too much, then I'll ask Pastor Paul if I can go through to Christmas. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. <laughs> okay. Some bra from background to the, to the book of Romans, and I will have you doing some activities in a little while. So it's not all sit and listen, um, but feel free to take the odd note as you feel uh, if it's helpful. So Romans, I've got a couple notes on the board. Romans is written around the year AD 57. We estimate that Paul probably came to Christ around AD 35. I don't estimate that, but scholars who are smarter than I have come up with that. So Paul has been in ministry about 22 years. And you know from the, the, the last part of Corinthians, uh, some of the struggles he went through, beatings and shipwrecks and, and other challenges. So this man lived and breathed the gospel, even when he was in those places where he used his tent-making skills his trade skills to support himself when he wasn't on, on support from a, a church, he was still sharing the gospel in the marketplace with the people around him. So he was a slave of Jesus Christ, as we see in the very first words of Romans. So written in AD 57 uh, from the city of Corinth, 
Paul's plan was was to take a gift of money that had been collected from the churches in Macedonia and Achaia to the church in Jerusalem that was in an economic depression and and was and was struggling. So they were he was his goal was to bring a money gift, a material gift, back to the church that had given so many spiritual blessings to the church. And as we as we mentioned at the beginning, this. The, the book was written uh, about seven years before the serious persecution started in Rome. It, remember that we, we did first, our, we went through first Peter about two and a half years ago. Was it that three years, 2019 in a workshop here. So we, that was the first, first one in 2019. And, and remember there's a lot in first Peter that's directed to the suffering church, a church coming under increasing persecution. And that was written, we think, around AD 62 to 64, before the serious persecution broke out in Rome by Peter, who by that time had landed in Rome. Although we know Peter wasn't in Rome at the time Paul wrote this letter. And how do we know that? So I saw all these hands that went up saying they'd read through Romans. How do we know that Peter wasn't in Rome? So in the last chapter of Romans, uh, Paul gives his greetings to all the different leaders of the house churches. All, all the people he knows, he talks about Priscilla and Aquila, who are friends of his. He talks about others who are, uh, uh, are relatives of his. So he's well connected to this church. Nowhere does he mention Peter. Why? Peter wasn't there. Paul wouldn't exclude this man who is so critical to his understanding of the faith. So of all the Christians and the leaders, there's, there's some number there. Uh, they asked me this probably at that time between eight and 15 house churches in Rome and house churches could have congregations of two, 300. We don't know exactly how many we think the church in Rome was founded probably by uh, Jews or uh, Gentile converts who had traveled to uh, Jerusalem um, and were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. So many of them would have been around to see the crucifixion or hear the resurrection. They certainly were there to hear as we see in Acts 2, Peter gives a list, or, or Luke rather gives a list of, of people from 14 different parts of the Roman Empire, including Rome. So it's very likely that, that the gospel initially went back to Rome through believers at that point, and there was probably travel back and forth. But Paul himself has not yet been to Rome. So it turns out uh, there's a three-year delay. Paul thought he was going to take this gift to the church in Jerusalem and then then hop on a ship back to Rome. Well, he did that, but there was a delay. Remember, he was arrested, spent two years in jail in Caesarea, and then uh, he was shipped back there at the expense of the Roman Empire. <laughs> they paid his freight. And uh, so the government paid his way back to Rome as a prisoner. And at the time Paul writes this, he is not yet a prisoner, but he is soon to be one. So he will be living his faith before these people. Interestingly, uh, um, many of the people who would have initially read this book or heard this book read to them. If we look at that time frame, we know that AD 64, when Nero uh, blamed the fire, the great fire of Rome on Christians, that uh, he would actually use Christians as torches for his garden parties to light up his garden parties by tying them to a pole alive, soaking them with pitch, tar, lighting them up and can you just imagine how gruesome that is as they burned there's nothing left but this this uh, burnt out skeleton this is how cruel that man was and some of those people who gave their lives uh without denying their faith and thus honoring christ would have gotten their grounding in scripture much of it through the book of romans 
and through quite likely some of them through the very teaching of Paul himself. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to go into Paul's trip and how he got there any further than that. But as I said before, in the sovereignty of God, we can look back and see that the church was now being prepared through this and through other teachings uh, for the persecution that was to come. In fact, the persecution that was to come over the centuries. And indeed, today, it is that kind of a book. Romans, uh, just to touch briefly, has been instrumental in, in many people coming to faith. Augustine, before he became a believer, was wrestling with the claims of Christ. And he was out in his garden one day. He tells this story in his book, Confessions, which is written. Uh, the it's, his, it's an autobiography that he writes. It's actually easy to read. and It's actually fascinating. One of the, if, you, if there's only one thing you read from the patristic era, it would be the, I would say, start with Augustine, Augustine's confessions. And he talks about how he was out in the garden and wrestling and crying and weeping. And God, show me the truth here. And, he, and as he tells the story, uh, he heard these kids playing some kind of child's game. Or so he thought. And one of the children said, lege tole, lege tole, which is Latin for pick up and read, pick up and read. So he went back to the table outside where he was and he had a copy of the book of Romans. He read a passage in there that was instrumental in his coming to faith. That's what broke the dam for him. Likewise, uh, Martin Luther, uh, the, the same thing. He, when he was wrestling, trying to be good on his own uh, through, through his own works, and, and he could not. He knew that his own righteousness was not enough. He, he too, read Romans and came across this, this, this phrase where uh, Paul is quoting. We'll get to it, quoting from the Old Testament, the, 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 the righteous shall live by faith. Okay, so these are these are the Romans has had a great impact. Rome itself is a city of about a million people. So Vancouver itself is not downtown. Vancouver is not. I don't think it's a million, but lower mainland, I think, is about three million if you cram us all together. But it was the center of the Roman Empire. There were people there from all parts of the world. Many of them were brought there as slaves from literally every ethnic group that Rome had ever conquered. There was some, one of the things they would do is they would take a certain number of people back as slaves that conquered. So of every ethnic group was there represented by slaves. Some were able under Roman law to save money from work they might've done on the side to earn their own freedom. And then there were, so they would be called freedmen. Then there were, there were your average average, but you're, you're lower middle class. And then there's a big gap in income. And then you have the very rich classes, uh, lower level classes typically couldn't read, but some were trained to read. So you have a city, it, really the biggest city in the world, probably at that time. And it's populated by Romans who dominate the world. So it's a cruel empire, but one ordained by God, because there's many things they brought in that allowed the gospel to spread. But you also had people from every part of the world present there, either as slaves or as traders. And that's T-R-A-D-E-R-S. <laughs> traders. You think about people from Britain all the way to North Africa uh, and all around. In fact, we know the gospel got to Britain sometime probably later in the, in the first century, certainly by the second century. And, and through trade going like that. So think about our city and our situation and, the, and the, how the Roman Empire was set up. So you had the ends of the earth present there. Now, there's one interesting thing to know about Roman culture, and keep this in mind as we go through the book of Romans, and that is you had, uh, and I think we, we actually mentioned this when we went through First Peter, you had the right to believe whatever you want. You could have any religion in the world you wanted, as long as you also worship the Roman gods. Okay. So you had to burn incense to the Roman gods. And this was, 
a socially cohesive practice, a cultural practice where you are, you can have all the gods you want, but you also, you also had to call Caesar God. Augustus Caesar has brought that in. So the Caesars were elevated to the level of God initially on their deaths, but then later on they became God worship as God in their lifetime. And there is also certain, uh, certain things that were common in that society. Infanticide was common. So if you didn't want a child, uh, I don't know what their procedures were for aborting. Um, certainly not the medical procedures we have today, but, but if you didn't want a child or you had too many children, you would uh, leave the new child out in the garbage dump on the garbage heap. So you had enough resources for the, for the kids you wanted to raise. And uh, since there weren't the kind of birth control methods we had, in fact, Christians, as an aside, were known for going out and rescuing these babies and raising them. In fact, there's some early church, some, one of the early church fathers, I forget his name, was, was one of these abandoned children who was raised in a Christian community. So Christians stood out. They were different in terms of, uh, of how they interacted with society. There were other key centers in the, in the empire at that time. Alexandria was a huge, probably the second largest city. And that's where Apollos comes from. Possibly he was the author of Hebrews. We don't know that for sure. Antioch was probably the number three city in the Roman empire and probably the greatest sender of missions. So obviously Paul was commissioned originally from, Ale from Antioch, which is Northern Syria. And we know that missionaries went from Northern Syria East to the Persian empire, all the way to China. So, uh, and possibly Japan, we just don't have historical records of that, but there are historical records of Evan Lee, a friend of mine, Evan Lee, who studied the early Christian history in China quite closely. He's originally from Hong Kong, told me that the Chinese scholars have actually found rock carvings in some part of China, mentioning the coming of, of monks from the West with, with, with news of the light or words to that effect. I'm not quoting him exactly, but this would have been early in the second century. And the, and the symbols associated with this were not the lotus leaf. So it's not Buddhism. There's something else coming. And of course, we know the Nestorians came as well. So we have these centers going on, but Rome was the, was the capital city. Even when the empire split and Constantinople become, became the second capital under Constantine in the, in the fourth century, Rome was, was really a center. Paul has four, well, I'm going to say he's got four purposes in writing Romans that, we, Romans that we can figure out from the book of Romans. Obviously, there may have been more, but uh, one of the things he's doing is to introduce himself. They know him by name, but they have never met him. Uh, well, some of them have met him, but the church in general has not met him. And so he wants to give an introduction and he wants to do it by way of his gospel, which we'll find out came from several sources, but one of them he, he claims is from direct revelation from Jesus. Okay. So we know he also talked to others and there's other sources and we'll touch on that. He wanted to help the church get grounded. And that's one of his purposes here, because obviously as he goes through, he addresses some issues that are in that church. Uh, Romans is not a, a book of systematic theology, although much systematic theology can be drawn and deduced from it. And then he also says that he wants to raise funds because he plans to go to Spain. He wants to come visit them, stop in, preach a bit and move on to Spain because he's already, he says, covered. Um, he's, he's preached the gospel everywhere he can. That doesn't mean he's been in every city and town, but he has been to every area, uh, started churches, trained disciples. Remember, he was in a, a Ephesus for two years 
teaching. And then people went out through all of Asia at that point, that would be all of modern Turkey. He was in Corinth for at least a year and a half. Uh, we know that he taught in Antioch before he and Barnabas left for a year. And now he's going to end up teaching in Rome after this for about two years. Now there's something very interesting. If you read your Bible continuously, you're going to find out certain things. If you remember, I don't know if I did it in this class, but I have done it in some class. Last page of the Old Testament. And how many of you have a blank page between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew? I'm not saying that you literally should tear that page out, but metaphorically, you should tear that page out. Because if you read through that last chapter, it leads right into Matthew. If you go to the last part of the book of Acts, which is the book right before Romans, and Hannah, I'm going to get you to read Rome, uh, Acts 28, verses 30 and 31 in just a minute. And what you see is you see Paul arriving in, in Rome. Now he's come at the Roman governor's, government's expense. They've sent an escort with him, a safety escort. He happens to be chained, but he still has soldiers guarding him. And it's, it's actually hilarious how ironic God can be and how he arranges things. But so Paul comes to Rome and we see him when he gets there, he calls a meeting of all the Jewish leaders and explains why he's there. And he's under charges, but they'd never heard any of these charges. So verse 28, he said, or verse 23, he, uh, he sets a time when they come to, to talk to him. And so he says in verse 23, from morning until evening, he expounded to them testifying of the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And then I'm going to get Hannah to read 28, 30 and 31, Hannah. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Very good. Thank you. So we put those two together that Paul is preaching from uh, expounding to them, the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus for two years. Did you ever ask yourself, what was Paul teaching them? What was he expounding? Like, is there a summary of what he taught? Move your eyes to the very next page. Romans. You can read all of Paul's letters and you'll find out you know, more of what he taught. But I, my sense is that what you see in Romans, because look at what, what Acts says in verse 23. He, he expounded the kingdom of God and trying to convince him about Jesus from the law of Moses, that's the Torah, and from the prophets. And what do we see in there? We see a lot of prophecies of the coming Messiah. We see the story of Genesis, where sin comes into the world through one man, Adam, all sinned. We see in the prophets this carried on. We also see the prophecies many prophecies of the Messiah who's going to come and deliver and laid out there. So Paul is teaching through. And if you read through Romans, that's what Paul does. He takes the law of Moses and the prophets. He quotes all the way through there and he's building his case for the gospel to them. And my suspicion is that this Romans is a good chunk. The content of Romans, we can take that as what a lot of what Paul was teaching. Would anyone care to disagree with that speculation. Like Paul doesn't say that, doesn't sign off saying, yeah, this is what I taught. Because remember, Romans is written in AD 57, but think about that. So we actually have insight into the mind of Paul, 
what he's doing when he proclaims the kingdom of God and convincing people about Jesus. What is our task today? Okay, that's our church model. And what does it, how does that play out though? So let's go to, I'm going to get a little bit out of order of what I'm thinking about doing here. But let's turn to Acts, or sorry, Gospel of Mark. I'm bouncing around a little bit just to make the point that Scripture is integrated. Even though we read a book at a time and study a book at a time, often we need to have recognized the echoes and the interconnections between books and what's going on. So I'm just going to read Mark 1, and this is about John. Mark 1.14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. Okay, this is Jesus teaching now, okay? What did he do? He proclaimed the gospel of God and saying, the time was fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's what Romans is about. So you want to know what Jesus taught? I mean, Jesus was the, was the master teacher. But between Paul and Jesus, we see what's going on here. Calling, and if you look at Jesus' teaching, he often quotes from the prophets and from the, from the Torah. So we're going to get a lot of that as we go into Romans. Now, this, is, this preamble is going longer than I had planned, but that's fine. We'll just bump some of this on to, to next week. Here's a question I've got for you. I'm going to have you do this in small groups, table groups. What would have been Paul's sources for preaching and understanding the gospel? Where did he get his information? And I'll just write that on the board. Is that clear? What would have been Paul's sources for preaching and teaching about the gospel? I, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not looking for scripture references. I'm looking for just, just name off some sources. Okay. So I'll give you about two minutes to discuss that. Okay. What are the sources of Paul's knowledge of the gospel? How was Paul grounded in the gospel? And I've heard some good talk around the tables. Okay, Adin. Okay, Dean says his main source is the resurrected Christ. Who else wants to venture? I've got four, and that's just a few that I thought of. Okay. Old Testament, thank you, Lynn. Paul was an expert in the Old Testament. He was a Pharisee at a very young age. He became a Pharisee beyond, as he says, I think it's in Galatians 1, beyond his, his year, he was experienced beyond his years, advanced beyond the others of his age. And as such, he, he likely had the Old Testament memorized in Hebrew. He would have as a Pharisee, but we know from his writings that he's obviously very conversant in Greek and the Septuagint. So you figure out this guy has memorized the Old Testament in two languages. I think someone said Jesus himself. Who else would have shared Janus? Okay, <clears throat> so Janus is correct. We don't know when the Gospels were written exactly. We think Mark, depending on which theory you subscribe to Mark, it was possibly the first Gospel written. And church tradition says that it was uh, Mark writing down uh, the sermons of Peter about Jesus. So that he preached perhaps in Rome or perhaps elsewhere. So it's about this time the Gospels are starting to be written, certainly uh, not much later than this. Luke depends on Mark and Matthew, and Luke was written in the early 60s, probably by AD 64. So the rest of them, had the, the first three, the Synoptic Gospels had to have been written or starting circulation, if not by this time, shortly thereafter. 
So, but your point is, is very well made in that these stories are circulating because you have, you have 12 apostles. Well, not 12 anymore because James is killed. But you certainly have a number of the apostles circulating in the Roman Empire. We think some of them, Thomas went east to Persia and then to India. Um, they think Matthew went south towards Egypt and perhaps beyond. So we had, you had the eyewitness testimony, okay, of the apostles who saw, okay. We didn't, John was not written until about AD 95, but certainly John, we know, was active in the church around Ephesus at some point. Whether that was during Paul's time or later, I, I can't say for sure, but certainly the stories were out there that Paul had. So he, he got the gospel from Jesus himself. He's been preaching and teaching it for 20 plus years. He also, but, but did anyone have the, the bit in, in, uh, in Galatians where Paul talks about going to, to Jerusalem and, and meeting with Peter for two weeks? Who has that? Could you read that? Just those verses? Do you have the handy? Okay. But you guys, you guys, pick, is, that, is that Galatians 1 what? 112? No, 118 to 19. Yeah, there's two things. Galatians 1.12, Paul says he got his gospel from Jesus himself and the gospel he's preaching. Then from Peter and the apostles, Peter and James, he spent two weeks with them. Wouldn't that have been an interesting two weeks to sit down with Peter and James? <laughs> and you have an intellect like Paul's absorbing what's going, what they're telling him. It'd be like a sucking up a fire hydrant. Uh, so he was, he was well-versed. Now, there's one other thing I want to leave you with, and we'll, we'll bump this on to next time. What was the last book that we studied? Gospel of John. Here's why I mentioned that, because I want to follow in from Paul's sources for the book of Romans. He did not have the gospel of John, but, we, but he had other gospels. And he, he may well have had some of John's insights. We have the gospel of John, though. And it just so happens that the last time we taught it, I was here. We taught through John, and now we're going to Romans. Interestingly, as I was thinking about this, did anyone get this in their mail? And do you know what it is? It's a church, the Baptist Church in Ontario. Well, that's printed. I don't know who distributed it locally, but through the mail, it's the Gospel of John and Romans. Isn't that cool? So they've chosen to present the gospel through these two books. Now, there's many other books we can focus on, but I found it very, I didn't plan to teach John with that in mind. We taught it, and now we're going into Romans. So I think there's certain synergies going on here. Uh, next time we're going to get into a bit of a re review, a warm up of what we covered in John, not very long because we want to get on and, and deal with Romans this fall. But I think it's important that we kind of reactivate those memories. So this week, those of you that actually opened that email from Hannah saw that you should have looked at that sheet that was attached and there was some work to do this. <laughs> this week is easier. This week is going to be easier. I want you to read all of Romans chapter one for next week. But those of you that are keeners, read all of the Gospel of John. It's not that long. I mean, it's going to take you an hour, hour and a half out of the next 168 hours till we're back, 167 hours till we're back here. Take an hour and a half to read through. And I'm actually going to encourage you to read through all of Romans. Now, every class that we've done, we've tried to do something around scripture memory. Scripture itself encourages that we commit it to memory. The act of memorization actually improves the brain's ability to memorize. It's like doing a little bit of work. Sometimes initially it's hard, like Ron saw me struggling this last spring around in some of the flower beds, huffing and puffing and panting over very little exertion. 
And he told me to take it easy because eventually it'll get easier. (laughs) (laughs) The act of memorization actually helps the brain learn to memorize more. The brain is like a muscle in a certain sense, very plastic, even if you're older, as some of us are, and I'll include myself in that, whether you've had a brain injury, memorization will help you recover. And I'm also going to say whether you've, you've struggled with depression in the past, memorization of scripture. I'm not going to say if you've got a chemical imbalance that you should drop your pills or whatever, not see your doctor, but I'm serious. Like this, these are issues that we deal with, right? If you've got diabetes, you take insulin. If you have other issues, sometimes things are natural. That, 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 so, but one thing that will help is just like if you do have diabetes, one thing that helps along with the medication is exercise and proper diet. One thing that helps with memorization, whether it's depression, brain injury, or you're just getting old, or if you're young, by the way, if you're young, this is the time to soak it in. Uh, and you'll, some of us that are older regret having not soaked in more than we did when we had the, a, a sharper brain or a brain that had more capacity. You can still memorize as much when you're older. It just takes a longer runway. Okay, so that goes on to the second part of your handout, memorization. So I've got three options I'm proposing for you. One is called the Romans Road. Okay. And I, I chucked a couple of extra verses and there's a very short Romans road. That's like three or four verses. I think we need to do a bit better than that. Uh, you can share the gospel from a number of different places in, in the Bible, but this is basically a list of several verses that allow you to, um, if you have these committed to memory and you shouldn't limit yourself to these, but since we're in Romans, we'll deal with these. You should be able to commit these to memory and you will find it a lot easier to remember what you need to when you're explaining why you believe in Jesus. And often that's the best way when you're talking with someone, not why they should believe in Jesus. Why do you believe in Jesus? You remember the demoniac where Jesus went over to, uh, and, and, and through the cast the demons out and he was then clothed in his right mind. And he begged Jesus that he could go with him. He wanted to be Jesus disciple and Jesus turned him down. He didn't actually turn him down. He says, no, go back to your hometown and tell everyone what the, what the Lord has done for you. And that is one of the reasons for the Roman, the Romans road, just because we're doing this out of Romans. Or if you want to be a bit more challenged, do Romans eight. We got time before Christmas. Anyone that puts their mind to it can do Romans eight. I would suggest to you, and it will change how you see the world. It will change how you pray. And if you're, I don't want to say super serious or really serious, but if you want to challenge, if you, if you really want to take this seriously, there are a number of people who have memorized the whole book of Romans. So when I was attending at Willingdon church, uh, John knew I was working with John Newfelt and his wife, Kathy had memorized the book of Romans when she was, I don't know, Bible college or at some point she could recite the book of Romans from first to last verse. It, it took work, but she did it. And she today is a, some of you, I think uh, know her as a Bible teacher. She's very good. Well, the woman has invested in scripture invested her mind in scripture that's why she's good or do the whole book of romans and next week we're going to uh, look at a technique for those of you that want to look at romans as as a memorization project we'll look at that and i'll have someone here to help us uh, talk about that a method for doing that 